Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Fed Speak, Central Banking's new podcast series taking a closer look at some of the projects or developments underway in the Federal Reserve System. My name is William Towning. With us today is Tamar Katelhuk, who is an Assistant Vice President at the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. Tamar steers an initiative which has been making lasting impact on post-industrial um, cities in America. The program, the Working Cities Challenge, um, helps these regions build a, a network among community leaders to foster better policymaking. Um, we'll be discussing exactly what this Working Cities Challenge is, why it was conceived, and how it's been helping communities implement more robust policy responses to the COVID-19 pandemic, and also the racial and equality issues currently under the spotlight. Welcome to the podcast, Tamar. Thank you. Nice to be talking to you, William. Yeah, good to have you on. So um, I guess please give, uh, give us a, a little bit of background on the community um, development department, this this Working Cities Challenge, and I guess how and, and why it all started. Terrific. The Working Cities Challenge is an effort of the Community Development Department at the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. Working Cities Challenge is an effort to improve the economic outcomes for struggling small cities and communities across New England. It's part of our dual mandate, uh, which focuses on maximizing employment as well as stabilizing prices, and also is part of our regional mission to promote sound economic growth in New England. So what we do um, is we put out a call to small, struggling cities and rural communities they form teams with members of government, private business, the nonprofit sector, and they put together their best ideas for how to improve their economies uh, in a way that helps low and moderate income people. And they compete, and the winners receive multi-year prize funds to implement their idea. They also receive technical assistance and support from our community development staff and consultants and the Fed runs the competition, but um, the communities receive prize money when they win, and those prizes are contributed by the state, business, and philanthropy. And we've now worked with 16 cities across southern New England, uh, and we're expanding to Vermont and Maine. Okay, great. And so as, as I understand, sort of a key part of it is sort of yeah, building these these networks of, of community leaders. Um, but I'd, I guess, be interested in, in understanding why this, this network is important um, in these, these sort of post-industrial cities and, and why that is, a, a, I guess, a, a key part of the, the program. Sure. So I want to talk about the importance, the economic importance of collaboration. Before I go there, maybe I should say a word on how this effort began because it, it speaks to why it's important for community leaders to work together. So all Federal Reserve Banks, as you know, in the United States have community development departments. And our mission is to make sure that economic growth reaches low-income communities in our district. So as a department, we were looking at some of our highest poverty rates in our district in New England, which are in small cities that often don't get a tremendous amount of attention or resources. And as part of that effort, we and our economists said, can small communities make it back economically? Can they recover? And what do we know about why that is? 
And our economists did a national study looking at these small communities that had been very focused on manufacturing, that had lost a lot of jobs. And they found 25 peer cities, and a set of them didn't make it all the way back, but they did a lot better than their peers. And the economists looked at why that was. And the traditional economic indicators um, didn't explain a lot of which cities made it back and which didn't. The thing that really explained the communities that made it back was communities that had a cross-sector team of leaders working on a shared goal over 15 or 20 years. It mattered less what strategy they were trying than that they were all on the same page, taking advantage of every opportunity, shifting direction when they needed to. And so that resonated with our experience in these communities, that communities that can unite around a shared goal are really the ones that have the best economic potential over the long term. And then we asked ourselves as a community development department, now that we know this, how do we bring these research findings to life? And we really wanted to have more impact for our community development function. We wanted to do research, but we wanted to help that research get used on the ground. And we had talked with state and nonprofits who were finding the same thing, and together we came up with this new model for the Federal Reserve System where we form a partnership with the state, philanthropy, nonprofits. We're the backbone, and we support the communities in bringing this research to life in their local sense. So the question that you had asked earlier was, why is it important to have community leaders working together? And the answer is, Collaboration between leaders and community members is really the secret sauce economically for these small places that have been very dependent on manufacturing. It's only when we're working together with all of the major organizations and stakeholders in a community that we can make progress. And I think, you know, if you look at the research, it also says that Diverse teams are the ones that are best able to solve complex mm. problems. And so this is the process of a community putting together a diverse team to solve the problem of the future of its economy. And no one organization has enough resources or talent to do that alone. Um, and so we really need to unite all of our resources together in that shared effort. Okay, great. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great example of um, really putting to use um, some of this, this um, research that, that comes out of the, out of the central bank. So it's, it's great to see um, the, the community development department sort of really putting this, this research um, into a, a project like the Working Cities Challenge. Um, okay, and, and I guess what, what sort of projects or, or cities have you? already been in, involved with or, or completed and uh, you sort of mentioned at the start that um, that you've, you've already done sort of several or, already so um, yeah I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about some of, some of the details of some of these, these projects. We've now worked with 16 cities across southern New England in Massachusetts, Connecticut and Rhode Island uh, working on a range of projects really key to this model is that 
we need to work with communities on their priorities rather than us dictating what they should do. And so what we see from these cities is a range of projects focused on employment, to entrepreneurship, to public safety, to poverty reduction and education. I'll share a couple examples because I think it's sometimes hard to imagine what this might look like locally. One example is uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts, very immigrant community north of Boston, largely Latino. The schools had been taken over by the state government um, because they weren't producing the results that, that folks wanted locally or at the state level. And the city government and nonprofits were trying to think about what can we do to support the schools and the families in this critical moment. They went out to community members and said, when they heard about the Working Cities Challenge opportunity, what is most important to you right now economically and for your family? And what community members and um, employers and nonprofits said was, we are focused on jobs. We really need to create and improve the quality of work for parents. The groups at the table had also done their research and realized that school turnarounds are more successful when families receive support and when families do well economically. So they said, let's support the school's turnaround by supporting families. And together they set a goal of increasing income for families in the Lawrence Public Schools by 15% over 10 years. And that meant organizing to provide job training and placement for parents and uh, working with employers to get folks hired, that turned into um, an effort that trained 650 families, placed 250 in jobs, and also led to a citywide focus on local hiring and creating training and hiring pipelines that get people into good jobs. One of the impressive results that we see is that the families who went through that program have a 25% increase in income on average, so that's terrific. We also see that the school system has made a permanent commitment to working with families and parents, uh, supporting them economically, and we see an ongoing focus on local hiring and training. So that's what the Working Cities Challenge has looked like in one community. Let me give you another example. In Holyoke, Massachusetts is about two hours west of Boston. It's a small community, again, largely immigrant. Holyoke, Massachusetts is about two hours west of Boston. As part of the state's economic strategy, they had named that area an innovation district. But folks who lived in Holyoke who were largely immigrant were concerned that that strategy wouldn't support them economically and that it would be focused perhaps more on newcomers or young residents. And they said, as an immigrant community, we know that we have a lot of innovation and hustle and entrepreneurship and those are assets locally. When we look at our local business owners, we see that only 10% of them are Latino. 
while the community locally is 50% Latino, and we can do better. We can provide supports and expand the number of businesses owned locally by Latino people. It will support our economy. It will support our population, but we need to create a system to do that. And so over the three years that they were with us, they um, created a lending pool. They created an accelerator program in English and in Spanish. They created higher education support uh, for folks opening small businesses, and they created a shared workspace. And that work continues despite the fact that they have graduated from the Working Cities Challenge program. Oh, great. Well, I mean, it's it's remarkable that the 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 Fed is sort of involved with with these these projects, and I I think it, it really speaks to these community development departments and and the role that they play sort of within the Fed. Um, sort of arguably, a, a lot of these results you sort of expect from from sort of fiscal policies and and so, sort of decisions coming from from fiscal authorities. So I think it's um, I think it's great that the Fed playing playing this role as well and 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 engaging with with the communities and and some of the more idiosyncratic um, challenges that they're they're facing. Um, I guess sort of taking a, a step back, how does the, the the process sort of all work? I guess from the application to getting the the leaders to collaborate, funding, and then. I guess the the implementation and and the post win it would be helpful if you yeah I guess sort of walk me through that that sort of stage. The first and perhaps the most important part is when the Fed and its partners announce that they are going to have a round of the Working Cities or Working Communities Challenge. We do outreach to local communities that are eligible, and the local communities put together a team. And a team will consist of the public sector, the private sector, community members, nonprofits. And together, they will come up with an idea that they want to promote over a long term to improve the economy of their community and region. They will put that idea forward. If they're selected as a finalist, they'll receive a small grant, and they'll have six months uh, with some support and small dollars to plan and really dig into that idea and figure out what their long-term shared goal is. They put together their big application, and then they compete. And an independent jury, which the Fed is not on, picks the winning communities. And the winning communities receive three hundred to $500,000 apiece uh, money which does not come from the Fed, it comes from our partners over a period of three years. So that's how communities put themselves forward and get selected. The next phase is really getting the work done. So each community is going to have a shared long-term economic goal. Using the funds that they receive, they're going to hire staff and to keep the partnership moving forward and doing its work. They're going to run pilots, and they're going to try to scale their programs and create systems change locally. With the Fed's help um, and the help of our uh, consultants and support, they're going
going to embed the core elements of a successful community. Uh, those include collaborative leadership, community engagement, a focus on data, creating systems change, and embedding race and equity in their work. One of the lovely things about the Working Cities Challenge model is that it allows communities to learn and shift over time as they figure out what is effective and as new opportunities become available. So we're going to see that work shift a few times over the course of the three years that they're with us. Finally, um, the Fed believes in analysis and objectivity, and so we have an independent evaluation that's done of each effort at the beginning, middle, and end of the process. And that's a tool that we use to learn whether what we're doing is effective and to figure out um, what's effective locally and whether our effort is having the results that we hope for. Okay, great. And are you expanding this on a on a national level or uh, so other reserve banks sort of adopting a, a similar model to you? We are expanding in many ways. First, we're expanding to five of the six states of our district, and we now have an effort um, moving north to Maine and Vermont, which is focused on rural economies. So that's new for us and exciting. Um, this model is also being picked up by the Dallas Fed, which is running a new competition called Advanced Together. The Richmond Fed is also exploring a model we were that's related. We were really pleased to have, uh, I think, eight of the Federal Reserve presidents come to visit one of our local efforts in Lowell, Massachusetts, when they were on uh, when they were in town for a Council of Presidents meeting a few years ago. I think that that helped, but also the dedication and enthusiasm of the community development staff in each of those districts. We also have interest from a number of more feds, so we'll see how that uh, how that turns into local efforts over the next couple of years. Yeah, it sounds like you've you've got your work cut out with it. I guess it's um, yeah, it's good to see that that other reserve banks are, are recognizing the 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 model and 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 its effectiveness um um i can imagine that during this um covid-19 pandemic the model is, has really um probably faced some some operational challenges it, itself but has has probably really come to light as as why it's so effective you know you're bringing these community leaders together and and um and helping them them solve um, economic issues within within their region, which is the, exactly what the the pandemic has has presented. Really, so have you sort of seen how in in these regions have they have you sort of seen that they've been more prepared um, for the for the COVID nineteen um, pandemic? We have certainly seen teams pivoting to focus on COVID. Uh, and many of our teams, in fact, are at the center of their local community response. In fact, when you look at um, emergency response protocols in the US, 
They often call for cross-sector teams with strong networks in the communities to learn what's going on and to distribute relief and get to the folks most in need, and that is absolutely what working cities teams are. So there was a recent article on our website about what teams are doing to respond to COVID. A few examples uh, that I think are terrific. Uh, in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, our team pulls together community members and city officials virtually once a month and had been doing that, now is doing that more frequently. And so they had the infrastructure in place when COVID hit to connect the mayor and the United Way and others to the residents most in need. And that setting and network that they created was able to both get resources to people who otherwise wouldn't have had transportation or access, but also it was able to tell the existing services and systems how their efforts were connecting or not connecting. And in fact, one of the conversations that happened on that call uh, was that residents pointed out that the food banks were not meeting in times or places that were accessible to low-income residents and led to a change in the way that the city organizes its food banks, which is exactly the kind of communication and adaptability and systems change that Working Cities is really about. Uh, another example is in Danbury, Connecticut, where um, our Working Cities director pulled together all of the parts of the city and nonprofits that were doing response and put them on a weekly call so that they could coordinate and so that they could get information directly back from residents about what was needed in the moment. And so, again, because they had built that trust and in infrastructure, they were able to respond to that very quickly. Yeah, so it speaks to the the longer term sort of benefits of of this program rather than you know just the the initial sort of application or and and uh, yeah the the initial goal that these these communities wanted wanted to solve the the result is actually a, a much tighter tighter knit group of of community leaders that can respond to to challenges such as such as pandemics hopefully um there won't be too many frequent ones in in the future but but it it, it shows it shows um it shows the the longer term benefits of, of the program um has it impacted the the program and and any sort of operational sort of side of things have you guys put put things on hold for a bit or have you guys been able to to continue continue sort of working as normal really one of the challenges for us and for the teams is figuring out how you build collaboration in a virtual environment. And that is very challenging. <laughs> the other thing is there is a real emergency response need in this moment. And it's hard to for many communities and individuals to focus on sort of the longer term goals. So what we've done is we've added a few months to the challenge. Um, we've been flexible with our funds so that teams can respond to this emergency in the moment. And then 
you know, over this month and the coming few months, many of them are turning back again to the recovery and their love. We expect the shape of their work to change because the economy is changing, but we do, and so we think we'll see changes in some of their local goals. Obviously, your goals for low and moderate income residents are going to be different in a strong economy than they are in a weaker economy, and we don't know where we will be economically six months from now. Um, but again, that's the beauty of the Working Cities Challenge is the ability to be adaptable. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm sure many many cities across across America and and, and the world are, are going to be facing different challenges um, today than they were um, before the pandemic. But other changes are also underway um, in light of the recent societal push for recognition and change in racial imbalances. How does, I guess, inequality come into the working cities challenge? Race and equity is a really important part of the Wilson Cities Challenge model, and I think that's something that our teams have also been doing a lot of talking about and working on over the past number of months, and those conversations have only become more important uh, with the death of George Floyd and the racial violence that the U.S. has been experiencing um, for a long time that has, that has come to light very much over recent weeks. We believe that racial equity underlies and a lack of racial equity underlies many of the economic problems that our communities face. Um, when you look at our communities and who makes decisions about how a city government spends its dollars or how are people of color treated in the in the job training system or how do employers hire from communities of color, or alternately, do they have networks in those communities of color? Those are issues that our teams are addressing. They're also addressing race and equity in their, at their own tables and in their own partnerships. How do you make sure that you have a real diversity of voices so that you understand as deeply as possible the problems that you have to solve, and also what solutions are going to be most effective. So that's something that we support communities in by providing training to all team members. We provide consultants to help them advance those conversations locally. And we now see that with the conversation about race and equity in the U.S., a number of our teams are the groups that are bringing forward the conversation about policing and other institutions and race and equity in their broader communities. So we feel really pleased to be able to support that work because it, it's very important locally and nationally. Yeah, you're right. And as you suggest, a big part of the Working Cities Challenge is bringing diversity into decision-making. And this is one means where the Fed can, can make a difference um, and, and have an impact on the, the equality needs of our societies. Um, okay, well, I think that's all we have time for today, but I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast and for the interesting discussion. You're welcome. It's been really a pleasure to speak with you. <laughs>